choices and faith and how faith affects our choices. I'm always inclined to think of those times when it's not easy. Okay? When God is pressing on us and we know what what He wants and what, what is right, but there's something in us that wants to do something else. You know, you know, anybody been there? Uh, it's, it's easy to find yourself in relationships. This is one thing that comes to mind. It's easy to find your, yourself in relationships that you know that God doesn't want. And the Holy Spirit is telling you that he doesn't want that. And yet, you find yourself kind of emotionally connected and trapped. And you don't know how to unravel that. But the choice simply to step out, it's always faith. The choice to walk in obedience to his word and to the promptings of his Holy Spirit who, that, that's in union with his word will always bear you through to higher ground. Always. And will, will, will serve to disentangle your heart from sin. God will pull you. God will direct you. And making the... And, and I would say today, and I'll talk about this in just a moment, uh, a little bit at, at greater length, but our faith needs to be, our relationship with God, and when, and I, when I speak in terms like that, the whole kind of like ball of wax, I'm a Christian, needs to, ha- needs to be strong enough to, that, we, that it will affect how we live and the decisions we make. Faith that does not affect, affect how you live, what you do, the decisions you make, the relationships that you form, how you deal with one another. If you don't have faith, that, if, if your faith does not affect that, then it's not strong enough. And I would say it's not faith at all. It's simply a, a belief that you have in your mind, but that you've not allowed to, to, uh, to direct your life. Okay? You get that? You understand that? All right. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, I've shared some things about God's master plan. My focus was not the redemption story or Jesus coming into the world, his ministry, sacrificial death. Uh, those things I've spoken to you in the past and again, and I will again in the future. My focus in the last couple of weeks, however, was on the ministry Jesus ordained uh, for his church in the age subsequent to his ascension when he went to be with the, with the Father and prior to his return. That ministry, that section of time, <clears throat> that was the focus of the last couple of weeks. This period of ministry is described in scriptures as the last days. We're in it. Okay? We're in those things right now. And I believe that this generation was ordained to serve in this biblically historical uh, period of time. And Jesus described this period of times as perilous. Jesus described the times that we live in now as perilous, but, but significant, powerful, and eventful. Okay? We are certainly in the last times, it says, uh, in, the, in the things that I've talked to you about, I, the coming of the Holy Spirit, I, I included the coming of the Holy Spirit, who would, who would inhabit us, the believer. Uh, we, I talked about the purpose and the operation uh, of the church in union with the gifts and the movings of the Holy Spirit. 
I talked about the, the Holy Spirit's activity and function in the world, the church and in you. I talked about the various giftings that are listed in the scripture. Not just about tongues, but about prophecies, about apostleships, about, uh, uh, I mean, there's much more that I can say, but I did touch on these things in the last couple of weeks. I talked about the purpose, uh, the biblical purposes for those giftings and why perhaps we've shot ourselves in the foot and that we have focused too heavily on the manifestations and we stopped there. Rather than saying, all right, what, what significance do, the, do these manifestations have? What are, what are their usefulness in the, in the intent of God? When he said, you shall receive power once the Holy Spirit has come upon you and power to be my witnesses in this world. And he, and he used thing, terminology like Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the remotest part of the world. That was there. I spoke to you about your and my role in the church and in the ministry and the mission. Now, this is a story that hasn't, been, that hasn't closed the last chapter. You have a place and a purpose in this, okay? The Holy Spirit, you know, it's, you know I know, you know here's, here's where we find ourselves in, in, in human history. We've got a whole lot of churches out there who simply have said that those things were for the past, and, the, and their theological, uh, the, the theological underpinnings or their proof texts are simply too thin. You know, if you, if you pull the leaves away and you, you finally, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, when, when, you're, when you're, as a parent, sometimes you've got two kids that are fighting, right? And it's a he said, she said kind of operation. And sometimes it takes a while to peel the, the layers of deception back and find what the real deal is. All right? Anybody, anybody get that? Uh, some of our teachers are really good at that because they deal with it every day. Sometimes our motives are hidden from us. We reject the Holy Spirit because we don't have him. And we don't want, or in other words, we, we may not have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, so we reject it because, uh, because we, don't, we don't want to consider ourselves as not having everything that God has. Or we reject these, these gifts because we don't understand them. We reject these gifts because we see the excesses that, that take place in some people's lives. We reject these things sometimes simply because we just don't want those things in our lives for whatever reason. I remember, I better not talk about that though. <laughs> I'm getting better at that. <laughs> the things, you know, I, 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 want, I want to give you the things that the Holy Spirit prompts me, but there's another voice. <laughs> Uh, that, that has more to do with uh, just my memories and stuff, and sometimes it doesn't help us, so we'll just... All right. Now, tonight, and, and so today, I want to move on from those things. I could meddle for a long time and say, look, if you're not, if you're not receive, just, just ask. Let's, let's, let's surrender. God, if you want me to have it, I want it. I will not, I will not put a stop sign up for you. Give me what you want me to have. I accept your word as it is.
I submit myself entirely to you. That's scary stuff. Isn't it? It can be. If you understand, if you understand God, if you understand the, the things that we, that we find in Scripture and how we work with people, that can be scary stuff. Abraham said, oh, I'll go where, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Abraham said, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And off God's, okay, leave your home. And he goes off, wandering through, what appears to be wandering through the wilderness. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. But first, let me do this and this and this and this. Okay. I want you to know it, it may be a little frightening on, one end, on the front end. But following him will always, if you're following, truly following him, doing what he wants you to do, will always be very gratifying. He'll take you places you've never been before. All right. Now, Sunday morning, today, uh, our presidential election is only 10 days away. I think I counted that right. Eight, nine, 10, 10 days. And I thought it was prudent to me. Of, it depends on when you vote. And if you count today. Um, it, I wanted to give you some biblical direction. I was teasing earlier and saying, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to do that. You're grown people. I'd rather not give you a fish. I'd rather teach you how to fish. Okay? And we get a lot smarter when, and, and plus, uh, I mean, children want, us, want me to tell them what to do. Just tell us, God. Just tell us what to do, Pastor. I would rather, I'd rather talk to you about the biblical principles and the things that, I, that have come to my heart as I pondered the, this, this, this moment, these, these days. Okay? Matthew 6. If you'll go with me to Matthew 6. Now, this, there's a lot of scripture here, and I'll try to be brief. Now, you're going to wonder, what in the world is he talking about here? But I'll make the connections. At least I hope I'll make the connections, make them well. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 33. That's a lot of passage, but maybe I won't read it all. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Now, we're talking about the values here. The values of the kingdom, the values of humanity and flesh. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, now we get this, we understand this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp, is the lamp of the body. And so then is your, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. We've got to get this. You can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they neither sow nor do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are they not worth more than, uh, are you not worth far more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, in in all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more uh, clothe you, you of little faith? Don't worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, and what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, or the unbelievers, they eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows, he knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now, I, I read this passage because it displays the, the, the common values. I mean, there's nothing more important to us in America today, seemingly, than the economy. There's nothing more. I rem- and and so for some of us, As we approach this election or any election, the economy is the most important thing. Okay? I mean, I've heard somebody say, it's the economy, stupid. Right? That's that's the big thing. Now, we're speaking of the world. What I've just read back, read in that passage of Scripture, if you're a believer, God is calling you to something else. I understand. I mean, uh, I've, I've worked since I was 16. I understand. And I remember my father. He was a union laborer. He had seventh grade education. A union laborer. I've got his jacket. I, he'll, you know, he, he'll, he used to go to the union hall after his retirement. They'd give him stuff. So I've got the, uh, uh, kind of like a Carhartt with a labor union jacket from Hamilton, Ohio, and I would, I'll, I'll throw it on when, I'm, when I guess I'm doing the blue-collar thing in town, and I'll wear it, and I, I remember going into the shoe store down here. There's another shoe store. He repairs shoes. His name is Tony. He's, he's a rusty guy. I love him. He looked at us and says, who are you? <laughs> well, he had been part of the labor union here, Okay. Well, I say that to say this. I remember my father making this statement. says, and this is how worker, work, you know, a guy wants to keep his family together and take care of stuff. And I know what it's like to, to work uh, and then be laid off. I mean, catch up and then be laid off and, and just kind of eke through until the new, a, new, a new bunch of stuff came in. So they'd bring you back to the shop and you'd work and work and work. And, and you know, you, I understand that. But I remember my father saying, and I believe this is the sentiment, Sentiment, he said, I'd vote for the devil if he'd keep me working. You know, I, you know I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is that God's calling us beyond the values that simply, I mean, what did we read? The Gentiles or the unbelievers, that's all they have. That's all they have. But I'm calling you to a deeper purpose, a deeper, deeper plan. He says, I am the source for you. I am the source for you. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and and God's righteousness. And then I'll, I'll add these things to you. Is that not an element of faith? That doesn't mean you don't go to work. But what's the focus of your, of your desire? What's the focus? I mean, if your focus is simply, uh, is simply on this world's goods, you're going to miss it. In fact, he says it this way. You can't serve two masters. That kind of thinking, uh, in spite of, of, of how well-intended it is, will take you to, in a place where you don't, where God doesn't want you to be. We have, we, have been, we have been told by him that we're meant for something more. And that ultimately is, I remember four, over four years ago when this thing just kind of collapsed. I said, God, what do I tell him? What I, I remember over four years ago when this thing was collapsing and just, it looked so bleak. I said, God, what do I tell him? I, I don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know. I can't see the future. He says, tell them not to worry. I, I will be there. And I look out over. And I've been here with you for the last four years. And it's been tough. But I don't see any hollow cheekbones. <laughs> We're here. God's been faithful. God has seen us. It's been tough times. Some of us have lost jobs and got more. Some of us were unemployed then, we're unemployed now. But God's been good. God's been good. Okay. The admonition, go to with me to Romans 12, 1, 2. I love this passage. Because you and I have to ask, if we're believers, our faith has to somehow count. It has to weigh more than it does when it comes to the decisions we make. I mean, are you with me on that? Again, again, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. You'll not even know when I'm done. I'm just telling you to be a believer. If you're a believer, be a Christian. Let your, and I don't want to run to the end, but let your votes that you vote, whether it's in this election or, or any other election, be kingdom votes. Does that make sense? Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is how we get there. You may be sitting out there, well, I've given my heart to Jesus, but I, you know, if you really look to the way that I live, my values, if if you stack my values and the things that I I want, if you stack them up next to, 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 to Joe Schmo, my neighbor who doesn't even believe or doesn't even claim to believe God, they're they're identical. The things, the choices that I make, the things that I do, they're the same. I'm saying if you have the, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have Christ in you, if you, if you call yourself a Christian, they need, there needs to be a difference. It needs to be tangible. It needs to reflect faith. It needs to reflect his will, his purpose, his plan. And this is how you get there. And this is an admonition, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual service of worship. In order, 
And here's, here's, here's the hard part. In order to, to, to be what God wants us to be, it involves an altar. It involves a sacrifice. Not only the sacrifice of Jesus, but our willingness to say, God, here I am. I spoke about that earlier, didn't I? Here I am, God. You know what I want. You know the things that drive me. You know the, 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 the ambitions that I have. The, 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 the animal instincts that still rise up in me. You know these things, God. And yet, here you are, by your word and by your Holy Spirit, you're pressing me. It comes to that. It says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict of sin. He will lead us into righteousness. So here we have the word of God that says, thou shalt not. But inside, I want to say, thou shalt. I want to. The Holy Spirit. And so, God's saying, all right, in that event, I need to crawl up on the altar. And say, God, I belong to you. It's, it, it's, I've got to get over this. I've got to do it. I've got to say yes to you. I've shared with you about my books, my, my Tam, Tom Clancy books. I wanted to read those Tom Clancy I wanted to keep those Tom Clancy books. I'm not saying that if you have Tom Clancy books that that's a bad thing. But, but God spoke to me. He says, hey, you've got to get rid of these things. There's some things in there that I don't want you reading. And I didn't want to get rid of them. I, I bargained with God. <laughs> How silly, you know? Over a book. Over a book. I bargained with him. I gave him options. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you ever give God options? Well, maybe we can do it this way, God. You know, saying, yeah. I finally said, okay, I'll get rid of them. Can I sell them? He said, no. That's one of my options. But we do the same thing with so many things. If we'll get close enough to hear his word, he will lead us to the altar. He will lead us to a place of sacrifice in our life. And bit by bit, point by point, uh, lifestyle by lifestyle, we, he, he will bring us to the place through sacrifice, through obedience, so to speak, our obedience to his word, our obedience to, to, to the pressing and the impressions of the Holy Spirit. He will bring us to the place where we say yes to him or no to him. And if we say yes to him, oh, I remember, oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> peace, joy, peace, joy, peace. You can't buy that. You can't buy that. And what's he trying to do? Is he trying to ruin our lives? No. He's trying to perfect and bring us to a place of living for him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, have faith in me. He says, all right. And do not be conformed to the world, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, says, you know, somewhere. He says, don't be conformed to the world. You know, I wrestle with this, guys. I'm an old jarhead. And and I I was raised in a blue-collar home. You know? My dad was like Archie Bunker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was like, it's like Archie Bunker. So we laughed about that. It's like, man, but he put that kind of stuff, he just put that stuff out. 
Just, oh, I mean, it's just being, you know, that's how you, you know, grow up with this stuff. And so I have a tendency to come down hard, kill him in Jesus' name, you know? <laughs> you know, I have a tendency to say, okay, yeah, well, the Russians do this, let's just carpet bomb, you know? Uh, you know, all these kind of crazy things that, that, that see, Bill Blair has to bow to Jesus. Not every idea, not every framework that I carry with me as a believer is, is believer material. And that's the, those are, the, those are the, the, you might say, the pivot points where God is asking for me to say yes to him. Does that make sense? Are you with me there? Are, I mean, do, you, do you wrestle with these things too? Yeah? It's to say yes when you know that what he wants to do is he's saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just give it up to me. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be proved. Now, I was with a group yesterday teaching up in Batavia. <coughs> and just on the fly, I, I, I put this little stick figure in me. That's me. And then the Holy Spirit's in me. And I get the word of God, and I know what's right. I have a decision to make. <laughs> I have a decision to make. See, see, God doesn't make you do anything. He will lead you, and when you walk in obedience, when you finally say yes and step in that direction, then you get the turbo boost. Then God begins to show himself alive in you. That's where the scripture says that through that, that element of sacrifice, through that place of obedience, of, of saying yes to God, what happens is there's a change. He's, that you may prove what the will of God is. That you become a tangible, visible uh, expression of the will of God. And people can see it. People want to see God. I want you to know uh, you can see God today if you look into, a, into the eyes and into the life of a servant of God who has simply uh, laid themselves down on the altar and said, I will be obedient not only to your word, but the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? See, that's where we're going with this passage. All right. Transformation and Christ in you. The role of sacrifice. Transformation versus conformation. Okay? Let's briefly just see quickly what the will of God is. Now, the Bible is full of the will of God, but turn with me to Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. And this is kind of real basic stuff, but, but it's foundational. I don't want to read the whole thing because most of you know this. and You've heard this before. You say, well, what does God want? I mean, what kind of, who is God? What's his nature? What are the things that he loves? What are the, what are the values that he holds? Five uh, verses 20 or six through. He says, he spoke to the Israelites. This is early on. He's just kind of laying down, this is who I am. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Now, now we, could, we could modernize that and bring this up to the Christian church and say, I am the Lord Jesus Christ who brought you out of the bondage of sin. I mean, that's what's happening here. I took, took you out of Egypt. I took you out of a place of slavery. See? He's establishing his authority in our lives. That's who he is. 
When, when he makes these demands or, or these, makes these suggestions, whatever, however you want to re- receive them, that's who's making it. I, the Lord thy God, who took you out of slavery, out of the slavery of sin. It's, it's that guy who's talking. He's the one who is, who is communicating to you and to me. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or likeness of what is in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity on the fathers and on the children, on the third and the fourth generations for those who, of those who hate me, but, and showing loving kindness to thousands and those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So to observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you'll labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, and so on and so forth. You say, and, and we move on down, he says, it's verse 16, he says, honor your father and mother. It's God's will. In 17 he says, you'll not commit murder. In 18, you shall not commit adultery. 19, you shall not steal. 20, he says, you'll not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, when you're in a court system, you know, you're not going to line up against your neighbor in a false way. You'll not cover your neighbor's wife. You'll not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his ser- male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey. His tractor, I mean, it's anything, you know. doesn't say tractor, but you, you get the picture here. And so on and so forth. See, you get a feeling. And there are other places in Scripture. You get a sense of what God likes and what he doesn't. He doesn't like falseness. He likes purity. He likes faithfulness. He likes life. You know, he throws these, these things out, and, and these are, you know, and these are supposed to be at this point in time on Sunday morning, just generally instructive to kind of say, say, okay, who is this God? Who is this, and how should I live? I'm not reading these things to to convict or condemn anybody here, but simply to to give you the idea that God has a different plan than the world has, and it should inform. It should impact on the decisions we make, not only today and tomorrow, but on election day. All right. Matthew, here's, here's an interesting passage. I think this makes sense. Matthew, the seventh chapter. This is, James says, James 1 says the same thing, but let's just go to James 1 instead. I like that one because they're, they're, they're kind of parallel. James 1.21, here's the, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. But, pr- but prove yourselves doers of the word and not mere, merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, 
and not a doer. He's like a man who looked at his natural face in the mirror, but once he looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. For, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not, not having uh, become a forgetful hearer, but of effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Now, the Matthew passage simply did, said this, that the person who hears the word and does it, he's like the man. When he's going out to build his house, he digs down and he finds solid rock and he builds his house on, on, from that rock up. So his house is on a stable foundation. The person who hears the word of God and doesn't apply it or doesn't bring it into their life, doesn't live in accordance with it, and makes a decision and says, well, that's nice, but I'm going to live the way I want to, is like the man who builds his house on top of the sand. Okay? What happens? When difficult times come, when the storms rage, and you know, the, diff- the winds blow, the man who has built his house uh, on, on, on the stone will stand. In other words, when you and I, by faith... Live for God and, and walk in obedience to his word. There is a stability there that, that cannot be moved by the currents of this world. So I guess, where, I'm, where am I at here today? A couple of things, and I'll just leave with these. Things. I want you to, you know, in 10 days, well, we're going to have a prayer meeting, probably Monday night before. We'll, we'll work about that, work in that uh, before the uh, election. I want you know, um, I would say look at the candidates. Uh, don't you know it's kind of hard to find out what the truth is? <laughs> Everybody's spinning like crazy. You know, it's like, oh, they lie. They lie. He, it's, it's like, I was, man. <laughs> look at the candidates. Get a hold of what your values are as a believer, what they should be. Eh? Find out what those things are. Find out what the values of the kingdom of God are and vote kingdom. Vote kingdom. Yeah? Life, peace, joy. Oh, yeah. You know, I know we've got all these other things going in. And there's no way I'm getting into those weeds, okay, today. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> but I do want you to know that it does matter. If you're a believer, it should affect. You should be able to say, I'm voting this way because of my beliefs in Christ. And you ought to be able to point to those and say, this is why I'm making this decision. Okay? For me, for, for me I'll, I'll tell you, I'm real simple. I mean, I, I like all these other, there are a lot of interests that I have when it comes to, to, to uh, politics and elections. Most boomers get into that. I don't know what, what that is. It's an age thing. But um, one, thing that's, one thing is always, and I've mentioned this before to you, one thing that's always a deal killer for me is, is abortion. That's always a deal killer for me. I don't care what, what flag they fly. What flag they fly. I do not believe that the innocent should die. Do not believe it. I just don't. Now I know in a, in a group this size. There have been people who were 
guilty of all kinds of things, but God's forgiven them. And I don't, I don't denigrate that. I mean, I revel in the forgiveness of God. But, I, but I'm not going. I'm not going down the other road. I'm not going to vote, can't vote, for someone who kills children or is in favor of it. Can't. Can't. Stand with me. Let's sing. Let's sing a song. Next week, I'll talk to you about what's your, what's, your, what's your Christian response if your man loses. <laughs> Let's worship. Let's worship. This altar's open. If you come here and you didn't know, says, I didn't know what to expect. But I feel a, a burning in my spirit. You know? I feel like I need God. I, I, I want to serve Him. You never... Or you've come here perhaps for the first time. You're feeling something you've never felt before. Come down. Let me talk to you. Pray with you. Let me help you to understand what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Okay? I know it, it might uh, require a little bit of bravery on your part, but I want you to know you're in a safe place. Let's worship. Let's worship. This altar is open for anyone who'll come.